Welcome into episode four of the Draft Good Players podcast. It is my turn back on the mic. I am Jamie Eisner, joined alongside Ryan Fowler, writer for the Draft Network, host of the Commanding the Huddle podcast, Washington Commanders expert as much as he hates the name, worked in the building. Uh, This is the guy we need to talk to today, Ryan, because the biggest topic that we're going to get into is Antonio Gibson, it's Brian Robinson Jr. and others in the Washington backfield. But let's get some business out of the way first. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on sports, concerts, events, politics, even and more. Find reviews for every league: Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, golf. They've got all of that. They've got news, updates, and of course, wagers for you to make on it. We're going to help you out a little bit. Head on over to Bet Online right now and use our promo code BELIEVE. That is B L E A V 50, the number 50, BELIEVE 50. And they are giving you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, get in line now. Get on it. Football season is just about to start. If you like player props, if you like college football player props, even, they've got everything you're going to need. Bet online is where the game starts. And Ryan, I will make the same transition literally everybody on this network does. We will start with this. Antonio Gibson. Now, you alerted me to some problem that he's got a fumbling issue. That is an issue yes. in Washington. And you pointed this out to me months ago. You first part brought it to my attention just after the draft. Just after Washington continued to draft a thousand other Alabama players, but one of them was Brian Robinson Jr. And you said, this is a sign. This is a clear message from Ron Rivera and company to Antonio Gibson. And then all of a sudden, first preseason game, a lot of trouble. So I know at the time, by the time you guys all hear this, they will have played a second game. But let's walk through the nightmare sequence that happened in the first because everybody wants to know if they have Antonio Gibson on their dynasty team, should they be worried? Should those that have Brian Robinson Jr. be really excited? But let's set the table here again this week. Let's talk about that nightmare of a scenario that played out for them in the first preseason game. Yeah, and we can even look back to last year. Six fumbles, four loss. Look, the easiest way in the NFL, we know there's two ways. Miss kicks or put the ball on the ground. The easiest way to find yourself holding a clipboard in the NFL or really at any level, from peewee all the way up. And it's just not going to cut it. And you look back to Washington's first preseason game against the Carolina Panthers. First drive, first third down they had, J.D. McKissick's on the field. It's fine. J.D. McKissick's their third down back. Next third down series, Tony Gibson gets the ball, fumbles with the own shadow of his own goal line. What happens right after that? Ron Rivera plugs in Brian Robinson without hesitation, has his success inside, outside the tackles, scores near the goal line. He looked excellent. There were no hiccups between when Brian Robinson came on the field with the entire fluidity of Scott Turner's offense. Then you look back into the second half, third quarter of the game, Antonio Gibson's on the field. If you're a presumed starter for an NFL team, it's not good news when you're on the field in the third quarter with the twos, with the threes, even with the fours at times against that Carolina defense. First third down series Washington has with third and two. Antonio Gibson's on the sideline. Jonathan Williams is on the field. Next third down, third and three. Jonathan Williams is on the field again. The next third down is a third and two. Antonio Gibson is on the field, gets stuffed at the line of scrimmage. Fourth and one, Gibson's off the field. Jonathan Williams is on the field. Now, I don't know if it's a trust issue right now with short yardage situations or just an inability right now 
for Antonio Gibson to hold on to football. But there was a lot of attention made him coming out of Memphis as a wide receiver convert, because remember, that's what he was at Memphis. But it does not matter. He's one of the most and most, most versatile talents in the NFL when he's healthy, when he's at full speed, when he's able to hold on to the football and what he offers for this Washington offense. Now, am I going to sit here and say he is right now? He's RB2 behind Brian Robinson. He's not going to get work because J.D. McKissick's going to be in on third down. Absolutely not. He was one of the top rushers in the NFC last year and will be again if he can hold on to the football. And that's the major concern right now because you cannot put the football on the ground. And another major thing this week at practice is that Nate Katzer, special teams coordinator in Washington, likes to use his running backs at the slot spot on kickoffs, on, on make, field goals, basically clarifying that, on field goals. He likes to put it right in the slot because it imitates pass protection for running backs. Brian Robinson got all the work in camp and OTAs. It was Antonio Gibson this week. It was not Brian Robinson. And Antonio Gibson was also seen this week taking punts and some work at kick return. So right now they're looking for ways to get him on the field because right now the gap is closing. It is. It was up here when we started. Brian Robinson was drafted and Brian Robinson moved up the depth chart, Jamie, against Carolina on Saturday without even taking his first NFL snap with Gibson putting the ball on the ground. It is a major concern in Washington right now because they need number 24 on the field for them to reach their performance ceiling on offense this year. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I know we've discussed it before, but Antonio Gibson wasn't going to lose this job unless Antonio Gibson lost this job. And it's it's premature to say he's lost this job, and I don't want to get into overreaction, but this was the way he could lose it, and it's off to a terrible start. And you know, it, we've come a long way for when we heard all this talk with Antonio Gibson again, was a unique player coming out, which kind of a lot of these Memphis hybrid players are, are that we've seen in recent years are, are fairly unique talents, but we quickly went from, Oh, Antonio Gibson is going to be the Christian McCaffrey for Scott Turner to, well, now he's, I mean, he's been losing third down reps since he got in the league. Like right. it, I, I think the way he was used was very antithetical to the way we presumed. We thought he would be, the J.D. McKissick role for Washington with another running back. You know, again, and there's been a litany of running backs that have come through there and for injury or off the field stuff have moved around over the last few years. But where he kind of became the early down back and it was J.D. McKissick that would come on the field. Uh, or why am I blanking on who is the other, the small, was it Wendell Smallwood? Who was Smallwood the other back? And Peyton Barber as well. And Peyton Barber. So like... It, it, that the JD McKissick coming back, I think once we saw that, you know, go to the Bills about face come back, we knew what that was going to be. But now he has somebody that excels in that first and second down, short right. yardage, getting the tough yards between the tackle roll. There is an adequate replacement because to, to be fair to Peyton Barber and to like Jared Patterson, to some of the others that have gone through there, they weren't they weren't close enough to Antonio Gibson to not tempt or excuse me, to tempt anybody to give them touches. Mm -hmm. Now that Brian Robinson is tempting, particularly when you're putting the ball on the ground. So I want to ask this to you, big picture. What is your, this season and maybe your three-year window for what Antonio Gibson is as a player and how concerned would you be right now? Like, is this somebody that you think people, you're not selling high at this point, but mm -hmm. if he continues to fumble, the stock's going to tumble for them. So for fantasy players that have them in a keeper dynasty Devi type of a league, 
Is it, hey, sell him now before he loses the job? Or is it like, hey, hold on a little bit because there is a, there is light at the end of this tunnel here. Don't panic. The biggest thing here is Ron Rivera's in year three. This is a massive year for Rivera and DC. And if they don't reach their performance ceiling of potentially nine, 10 wins and making the playoffs or competing for an NFC East title, Ron Rivera is out of the building and he's going to do anything possible to get the best players on the field for them to reach that ceiling. And Jamie, you're way more well-versed in the fantasy space than I am. But right now I'm more shaded toward the side of get what you can right now for Antonio Gibson, because Brian Robinson, hungry dogs run faster. And Brian Robinson played five seasons at Alabama, waited his turn, had three fumbles in five years, one last year, playing against NFL talent every single week, rushed for three hundred over 1,300 yards, 14 touchdowns last year. He's not coming from a small Mountain West from the MAC. This guy can play ball. And he proved that in week one of the preseason against Carolina's ones. Now, was Derek Brown along the interior? No. Was Shaq Thompson out there? No. Was Jeremy Chin? No. That, those are the ones for Carolina. But Brian Robinson is a guy right now that even right now we're looking week two is going to steal carries from Antonio Gibson because not only can he hold on to the ball and he's proven to do so so far in that limited workload, but he's going to be a featured guy in this backfield, what could be a three-headed monster as we move forward into the regular season. And for a lot of you guys out there that are drafting Antonio Gibson high, we looked at him last year, and just like you said, people thought he could be that Christian McCaffrey-like workload in this offense, he's not going to have that workload if the ball's in the ground. He's going to be on the sideline. For a lot of you guys out there as well that followed Washington in the past, and if you had Matt Jones on your fantasy team, he was a bigger back out of Florida, showed some pop in the regular season, but had fumbling issues out of the league, and he fell off a cliff. You don't know where he is now. So you cannot put the ball on the ground. It doesn't matter if you're Barry Sanders or Walter Payton. You have to hold on to the football, and that's the main story here. So you, you mentioned that three-headed backfield for Washington this year. How do you expect that to play out both from a granular perspective, like in-game and probably season-long? Let's let's take injuries out of the equation. Let's assume everybody stays healthy, but other all other risks are accounted for. How do you see that playing out game to game? Well, right now, it looks to be Antonio Gibson is going to start as RB1. That, that's what we look and see right now and everything that Scott Turner's talked about and Ron Rivera's talked about. Still Antonio Gibson's job to lose. But I would not be shocked if you start different series alternating with Brian Robinson on the field. And then on third down, that's where J.D. McKissick makes his money. He's one of the premier third down backs in football. He's proven to do so. And what makes me even a little bit nervous with Gibson is that Antonio, or excuse me, with J.D. McKissick can actually run the ball as well and create inside and outside the tackles, which he did in the last two years when Antonio Gibson was hurt with that toe injury even two years back when Washington beat Steeler. They beat Pittsburgh Steelers when they were on their undefeated run. So right now, in the early downs, it has to be Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson. But again, you can't hold on to the football. It's going to be Brian Robinson taking a host of these carries and J.D. McKissick coming on the field on third down. And what also you have to keep in mind, and I know you mentioned Jared Patterson, Jonathan Williams can also run as well. He's not just a need. This guy can play. And they have a veteran front five. And they're going to have weapons on the outside to keep teams honest so they can't put eight or nine guys in the box. If they can compete as well, they may even sneak on the roster. I'm not going to say they're going to keep five backs. They're going to keep three, probably four in the practice and one on the practice squad right now. But Brian Robinson is someone I wouldn't – it's more of an RB1 and RB1A right now for carries in this early downs uh, this year. 
Yeah, and there's a few points I want to make off that. One, I'm very glad you brought up the JD McKissick rushing ability because I think if you want, I'm, I have this like fascination with like mid-level players, um, <laughs> and JD McKissick is one of those guys that I just am yeah. obsessed with. And I think if you go back and watch him last year, you'll be surprised how many goal goal to go and between the tackles runs that he got relative to what you might think. So I'm very glad you brought up that point. And I want to get to you about rookie running backs and where Brian Robinson fits in. But I got to ask you this as well. There's another element at, from a playmaker, potentially in the backfield from time to time standpoint, and that's Curtis Samuel. If mm-hmm. he is back and healthy, where does yeah. he fit in that equation? And it might not seem like much, but one or two Curtis Samuel carries a game. That that That's a tangible fantasy difference for all of the early down running backs, potentially. What do you think about his role? And again, we basically barely got to see him. So we don't really, right. obviously we know what he was in the Panthers offense, but we really haven't gotten a good chance yeah. to see what he can do in Washington. How does he play a role in terms of just backfield jet sweep, some of those uh, the scat touches that he might get that would take away from a Gibson or a Robinson on early downs? Yeah, you saw him in Carolina as a dynamic playmaker, even going back to his days, Jamie at Ohio State, dynamic playmaker with the ball in his hands. And a lot of the time last year, not minimal, minimal workload, but a lot of the time it was just pre-snap orbit motion that Curtis Samuel was doing. And you look around the media and they're like, hey, what is Curtis Samuel doing? He's not really offering anything except pre-snap motion. But week one, he looked healthy, had a couple catches on the outside. He's moving well. And he will take some jet sweeps. They will give him some designated touches, which, like you said, will take away from Gibson, Robinson, and McKissick. And they need Curtis Samuel to be healthy like Gibson and be able to hold on to the football for them to reach that ceiling. Because remember, they brought in Samuel last year, and they also drafted Deami Brown to take the attention off of Terry McLaurin. That faltered. It was still number 17 getting his, and that's it on the outside. But now with Curtis healthy and the dynamic playmaking that he has, not just running back and forth in, in orbit motion, but creating within the intermediate areas of the offense on designated touches, and then being able to lift the roof with the, the speed that he's proven to have. So he will be a heavy, heavily featured weapon in this offense this year, and he will take some carries away from all three of those, those aforementioned backs. Yeah, and again, I think that's that's a good point that you brought up there, that Washington has actually been fairly active in trying to find that complementary piece. I mean, they were into the final stages on Amari Cooper, as yeah. well, if those remember from a couple of years ago. So they have made this effort, but not a wide receiver show. I want to get back to the running backs here, and let's talk about the rookie running backs in particular. So we, we've got a bunch of guys that came in this year. Where now that we're standing about half-ish way through the preseason. If you were drafting right now for future, not not necessarily just this year's production, where would Brian Robinson rank among these rookie running backs that are coming into the league right now for you? I would have near the top. I would have to. I mean, you look at guys that are going to have heavy workloads this year around the league. It's it's Kenny Walker. It's Damian Pierce is potentially going to be the RB1 in Houston. But we know that Scott Turner wants a dynamic running back. And I, I hate the kind of the comparisons that a lot of people made within our within our industry, Jamie, about how Brian Robinson was going to take over the Peyton Barber role in D.C. as a guy that's going to come in as a goal line punch because he has a rocked up frame and he's a big boy. He can do a lot more than that. And he showed that against the Panthers and he did it in his entire career and the SEC. But right now, if I'm looking at these r- rookie running backs now, I'm excited about even the 2023 class. We're doing this next year. Oh, well, sure. Stick with this year. Oh, sure. And look at the guys you just mentioned. But Brian Robinson has to be in that tier one of RBs that are these 
guys are going to compete from day one and earn snaps, there may not be another guy that I'm focusing on right now from fantasy guys out there that want to take a rookie running back that's going to get touches. Brian Robinson will get touches this year in a variety of ways. Yeah, and look, right now the consensus in the fantasy community is rookie RB1 has, has been Brees Hall. Right. But then you've kind of got this next group here. Like you said, Kenneth Walker, James mm-hmm. Cook, who's going to be playing a diff- basically the polar opposite type of role that we expect from uh, – heck, he's going to be playing the J.D. McKissick role that they tried to sign J.D. McKissick for earlier in mm-hmm. the offseason at some point. You've got Brian Robinson. You've got Damian Pierce. And you know, then you have some other guys that are you know don't have a clearer path to snap. A, a Rashad White, for example, is – you like a lot of things that he can do, but he's buried on the depth chart right now. You know, mm-hmm. what is his role going to end up being? And quite frankly, who's the quarterback there long term? And keeping on that quarterback theme, I, I want to look, it's, it couldn't be a Washington podcast if we didn't talk about Carson Wentz. But always, I specifically want to talk to you about the way that Washington's offense might be a little bit different with Carson Wentz, the quarterback, relative to Taylor Heineke and how it affects running back usage and the potential way defenses will play their running back. So, let, let's play in the hypothetical world here that Carson Wentz stays healthy for the whole season and he's the starter. Mm. How do you see that affecting the RB room comparative to having a guy that has more mobility in Taylor Heineke? Do you see that opening up things? Do you see that giving them more work, taking away work? How do you think defenses are going to play Washington differently with a different style at quarterback behind center this year? Yeah, just looking at Heineke and Wentz, it's comparing Heineke's pea shooter to Carson Wentz's, I'm not going to call it a, a bazooka, but... He's got a good arm, right? He's got some arm talent. We've seen that in the past. He can sling it downfield. And if anything, with the speed that Washington does have on the outside, it's going to keep teams honest. It's going to keep teams deep. It's going to have them force their safeties back 15, 20 yards downfield, which will allow them to use that veteran front five that they have and tight ends in John Bates, who they drafted out of Boise State last year, who was the most dominant run blocker rookie tight end last year. He was absolutely outstanding in that fast side of the game. That's only going to lift the defense and then allow them to punch it downhill, which they will be able to do when teams are honest on the back end because Wentz will be able to stretch the field. Now, is he going to be able to stretch the field with accuracy and be able to place it outside the hashes and and place it down the field to the pylon outside shoulder of Jerry McLaurin? Remains to be seen. There's been good concerns of that of training camp as the playbook has started to expand a little bit. But for the running backs, Lifting the defense and then having guys that are 200-plus pounds in Robinson and, and Gibson, that's only going to open up lanes for them. And you're going to have these guys and Andrew Norwell at left guard. You're going to have Trey Turner at right guard and Chase Roulier, one of the most underrated centers, in my opinion, in football, when healthy. He's dealing with a nasty fibula injury from last year. But these are heavy backs that defenses aren't going to want to tackle for 60 minutes a game, especially when we get into the winter months of November of December. So this is this is a portion of this offense that's only going to expand because of Carson Wentz's arm talent. Yeah, and that that's going to be a very fascinating component to watch here. I'm actually pulling up right now for those of you that play in just standard redraft leagues. I know this is tailored to more of the long-term picture, but I, I did just update my fantasy running back stuff and updated my projections, which you can cheap plug see over at the draftnetwork.com. And, you know, I end up moving – Gibson has moved down to uh, – excuse me, running back 24 for me for this year. Uh, mm-hmm. He was somebody that was in the the mid-teens for a while there. But, look, I have to consider, you know, the risk assessment here. And the risk is that there might be a couple of weeks where he's unplayable for you if he's in the doghouse for Ron Rivera. You know, for Brian Robinson, he comes in at running back 54. You know, odds are in most leagues – 
you're not going to be able to get enough work. Maybe there'll be certain weeks. Or you want them higher. I'll go higher. He could I, be I, there. I'll go a little higher. He's going to he get work. be there. Yeah. So let me so let me give you this context then. Yeah, I think yeah, this yeah. is important. Let me give you the guys that are around him. And yeah. I'm not necessarily, but um, and to be fair to everybody, like the difference between like running back 40 and running back 50 is very minimal. We're splitting hairs at this point. But uh, you know, the, some of the guys that are around him would be some of these other number two guys, which are the Melvin Gordons, the mm-hmm. Alexander Madisons, the Kenneth Gainwell, uh, uh, the, another Memphis guy, mm-hmm. uh, Isaiah Pacheco, uh, Naeem Hines, Jamal Williams. Like, where do you think that he kind of fits in? Maybe let's relative for this year. Let's talk about the rookies because right here at forty-one, I've got Zamir White, forty-two, I've got J.D. McKissick, and forty-three, I've got James Cook. Should he be in that grouping? I don't think so. Not just yet. Just a little bit lower. So like borderline top 50. Yeah, I would say, I mean, you may have him right. You may have him right, right about 54 in in that range of backs. But I think he will get more work than the Alexander Madisons, the Melvin Gordons. I think Javante Williams in in Denver takes that role over and and holsters a ton of those carries. Dalvin Cook's Dalvin Cook. And I know the injury concerns are always scary with them. But (laughs) Brian Robinson could be a potential top from a fantasy perspective and points, probably a top 25 back this year, potentially if he gets RB one workload. That's the thing that's interesting that's because, scary. you know, and, and I think that's always, that's always the appeal of like the Alexander Madison's and before this year, cause we're going to see Tony Pollard used in a different way. I, Hey, go look another, uh, but <laughs> I feel like what was going to talk about Memphis backs, but it, there was always the appeal of if X person goes down and we have seen Alexander Madison with a massive workload fairly frequently i do think it's overstated he's had some duds when he's been the rb1 in minnesota i think people have forgotten but i think to your point if we look back at the end of the year and brian robinson finishes as a top 25 running back i think we're all going to go and went damn you know we kind of thought this was could happen Mm -hmm. so to your point if you're taking a flyer late on a guy you know maybe you're not taking the flyer because some of these guys i have ranked above him that I think will mm-hmm. score more points right? aren't guys I would take flyers on, for example. Like I'm not necessarily going to take a flyer on Mark Ingram. I'm not going to take a flyer on some of these other guys that, you know, hey, well, they might get some more points by the end of the year, but I'm probably never going to start them. Where Brian right, Robinson, right. Did you take a flyer on knowing that you might not be able to play him for five, six, seven weeks, but if that opportunity arises, he could be a league winner for you. So right. I, I think that's a really intriguing way to look at this as well. Yeah, I completely agree. And all you guys out there, remember that Brian Robinson is not going to be a featured guy out of the backfield in from the passing game right now. He's just that's not what he's going to be. That's Gibson and that's McKissick, especially McKissick right now. But for for from a carries perspective, he will get them. But like you said, Jamie, take a flyer on him, stash him on your bench if you can, and see what happens a month or two into the season. And if he does work into that that RB one workload and takes over for Gibson up in and Washington is under 500 and the season's going downhill again and just things are going chaotic and people have pitchforks and Ashburn, then play him if you can. People get hurt. Injuries are going to happen. Antonio Gibson's been hurt in the past. If it is Robinson and it is McKissick, again, that passing workload is limited right now for Brian Robinson, but he is still a rookie and he is still learning this offense. And his skill set, what he is now, is not what he's going to be three, four years down the road, or even what he is in week one comparatively to what he is in week 14. So those are things you're trying to keep in mind. But right now, he is a bench guy for me. I take a flyer on him, stash on your bench, and maybe he's a diamond in the rough for you. 
All right, so before we wrap things up here, I asked the same thing of Kyle when we did this last week with the Dolphins. I'm going to spring this on you and put you on the spot here. For those that are playing in Dynasty long-term leagues, are there any first or second-year players on the entire Washington roster on the offensive side that you think, hey, keep an eye on this guy. This might be a taxi squad, like the 30th guy that you have on your team. Is there somebody that you say, keep an eye on them because there's some potential return maybe two, three years down the road? Yeah, two guys. Um, tight end John Bates. He worked a little bit more passing role the back end of the last year when Logan Thomas was banged up a little bit. And then Deami Brown, second-year guy out of Carolina. He looks to be that wide receiver three or wide receiver four right now. Remember, they drafted Jahan Dotson. So right now in that totem pole, it's Terry, it's Jahan, it's Curtis Samuel. Then there's Deami Brown and Cam Sims. And Deami's going to have to play. They used a day-two pick on the kid. They want him to play. They want him to compete. So keep an eye on Deami this year as well. All right, Ryan, that's going to wrap us up here for episode four of the Draft Good Players podcast. But tell everybody where they can read your work, listen to you if they want more information on Washington, because I think this Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson thing is going to be a weekly conversation pretty much all season long. And people are going to want to be up to date on the latest to what uh, on that situation. So where can they read and listen to you? Yeah, all my work is housed at the Draft Network. Dot com. You can follow me on Twitter, underscore Ryan Fowler, and my podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever, is Commanding the Huddle. Yes, Commanding the Huddle, please. He will have everything you need to know about the Washington Commanders, and they are a very fascinating fantasy team, and this running back situation is going to be – it's going to make or break some fantasy teams, especially 100%. for those that don't have both guys. You know, So it's going to be very interesting to see how this goes on a weekly basis. But continue looking at the draftnetwork.com for all of your needs. I have my updated fantasy rankings and projections under the fantasy tab at the draftnetwork.com. Keith and Ray will be back with you on Wednesday with a brand new Draft Good Players podcast. So thank you all for listening, and we will be back with you here in a few days.